Welcome in. The Longhorns said adios to the Baylor Bears emphatically. They're ranked number three in the country, and it's on to Kansas. We're coming to you live from the capital city, the great state of Texas, overlooking downtown Austin and the University of Texas. Welcome to the bi-weekly broadcast that understands the pride and tradition of the Texas football program. We'll never be entrusted to the timid or the weak. We are the Eyes on Texas multicast. Our eyes are firmly planted on the third-ranked Longhorns and a product of the Republic of Football on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are powered by our presenting partners at Grande Equipment and our other founding partners. We'll tell you about them throughout the course of the program. I'm Aaron Hogan, morning show host at The Horn here in Austin, Texas. Have been for a quarter century. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, who was in Waco for the pregame hype that turned into a squash of a game. He is Mike Craven. Hello, Mike. How's it going? The experience on the Brazos before the game was better than the actual game. Uh, Which I think the the tape, if you watched both teams in three games leading up to it, not surprising. Not surprising at all, no. (laughs) Uh, Something really weird had to happen uh, for Texas to, as you like to say, play with their food Mm -hmm. uh, would have been bad. But they didn't. Uh, They dominated the Baylor Bears, and we're going to talk about it. We're also going to start looking forward to Kansas. Uh, we know if you've listened to and we appreciate everybody that's finding our multicast and whether it's on uh, Spotify or iTunes, you listen to it or on YouTube, on the Dave Campbell's YouTube page or on the Horn in Austin, hornfm.com, the YouTube page there or channel there as well. Uh, you know we broke it into four quarters with a halftime. Coming up, we'll talk about the big picture of Texas, where they are, headed into a critical uh, pivot point in their season. We'll talk about that coming up. Uh, We'll certainly recap the Baylor game. Also, Steve Sarkeesian, his Game Week news conference today. We record on a Monday for our first episode of the week, uh, first of two. He talked about what he likes about this team, what the challenge is ahead, players who are standing out to him. Also, a big recruiting win for the Longhorns on Sunday and the weekend. One just a win over Baylor. They also landed the number one offensive tackle prospect in the nation to go with the number one edge rushing prospect in the nation from Duncanville, Colin Simmons. They had Brandon Baker from Modern Day out in California on Sunday. Man, uh, what a weekend for the Horns. We'll talk about that uh, with Mike and myself. Nolan Hogan is our digital producer. Griffin Hogan is here producing, and uh, we're going to have some fun. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. We call it the multicast, as we said, because it's available all over the place, YouTube, Instagram, and Spotify. Uh, also, follow the show on our social media uh, network platforms. Twitter, it's Eyes on Texas FB. On Instagram, it's Eyes on Texas Pod. And on Facebook, we are live at Eyes on Texas Podcast. Podcast. We've kept that all the same. It's all the same. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we start and tell you about our presenting partners at Grande Equipment, we had a great lunch with today, Wes and Weston, great people. Uh, Appreciate their partnership. Uh, Mike, the the trip to the Brazos, it was was hyped. It was as advertised. It was a blackout, sellout crowd. There was no doubt about it. And... uh, you know, your experience, you were covering it for Dave Campbell's Texas mm-hmm. football and your tour of 13 different football yeah. stadiums over the college football season. Yeah, four down. That was the fourth one. Um, and they was the best one. That was the best atmosphere so far. Colorado, TCU, Oregon at Tech was also really nice. Uh, but the fans were in it. You know, the students were there early. They were loud. Uh, the place was packed. You kind of looked around everywhere, and even you know the seats up top were were taken 15, 20 minutes before kickoff. And we all, we've all been to college games. A lot of times that – the, those pictures before for the press box look really thin, and the crowd gets there as the first quarter is sure. coming along. Uh, they were there early. They were there loud. There was a lot of burnt orange in the in the stadium as well. You know, the band's up top in the corner, and when they played, you know, the fight song, everybody in the stadium booed. And, it, you know, it made – you know, you kind of remembered why, it was, you know, it's a, it's a cool game that's been played 113 times. And then the football game actually happened, and you re- you realize why it's not going to get played probably again. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and and where the state of both programs are, we yes. don't. I mean, we'll talk about this, but the crossroads. Two years ago, Big Baylor won the Big Twelve championship, and they beat Texas in that same stadium in a one of those fourth quarter collapses for Texas. Second half, remember the fake punt the Longhorns tried. The programs couldn't be heading in in more divergent, you know, you know, directions right now. Texas is on the absolute rise. Baylor is not very talented. The reason the game was so one sided is the lines of scrimmage at Baylor are not good. I know they had a backup quarterback and they're missing their running back, but it wouldn't matter. I mean, they couldn't block. Texas had two sacks on the first possession, three in the first quarter, five on the game. And then, yeah, Texas really did what they wanted to do on offense once they found their rhythm. Yeah, it was funny. So, like you mentioned, I'm trying to do more the experience part of college football. You know, I used to be the guy who just you know, showed up to a game, went to the press box, did my job, and went home. So I went down on the field because I don't know any, you know, how familiar everybody is with Baylor, but they do this thing called the Baylor line, and all the first-year students line up in the south end zone, and they sprint across the field and then create a tunnel for the football team to come out. Well, I wanted to be on the field to, like, see how fast everybody was running. Uh, and I almost got ran over, uh, <laughs> but then nobody told me to leave. And so I was like, well, I'll just watch, you know, the first couple series down on the field. Cause if for anybody who's ever gotten to do that, like it's so fast, like it is amazing to, you get a better appreciation for what these guys are capable of when you do that. And within the first three plays, Baylor got the ball on the side that I was standing on. Uh, they go three and out. And I just walked back to the press. The game was over in my mind at that moment, cause they couldn't block Texas. Uh, and you go back to 2021, Baylor was absolutely the better team at the offensive line position and on defense. And you flash forward two seasons, and Texas has absolutely lapped them on the offensive line and on defense. Well, we'll talk about that in the recruiting effort as well, because Kyle Flood, the NIL, Sark, I mean, they're doing a great job because they're developing players. They're giving them a great experience. We were Sark with a great quote today about their recruiting philosophy. It's not about stars. It's about position, you know, players that they evaluate. They happen to be five stars. That's good. But uh, we're certainly seeing that, and it showed up on Saturday. And that's the Longhorn advantage, I think, the rest of the way. Uh, they're going to have that offensive line advantage if they can, t- can stay healthy throughout. Uh, we'll talk more with Mike. We'll do our first quarter coming up. Before we start, let's thank our presenting partners at Grande Equipment. Uh, having a great year, even through this uh, downtime. They're real cranking. Our friend and partner, Wes Murray, and his team understand that your reputation with a project is all you have. Building a freeway, bridges, you know, buildings, major construction, even a smaller project that you've got out at your lease or property, they're going to be a place to get your equipment rental and purchase. Uh, they're going to get you there, that equipment uh, on time, job site ready and ready to go because that's, you know, your budget, your timeline. you got to get that project done. You don't need to mess around with your equipment. Grande's operated that way for 31 years, not in the equipment business. They're in the relationship business every time. When you need that right piece of equipment for that project, large or small, go to Grande. It'll be there and ready to go. And they deliver from all major manufacturers, Caterpillar, John Deere, Komatsu, and Volvo. As an independent um, equipment contractor, they don't get locked into one. They haven't um, partnered with one group. They do everybody. It's heavy equipment sales and rentals. It's Grande Equipment. They have a new re- renewable energy sector as well, supporting solar projects all over the country. Um, the pile driver application, both new and used, capability of renting statewide and nationally. It's Grande Equipment, our presenting partners and great friends. It's your international independent dealer. Find them at grandeequipment.com. They don't overpromise. They overdeliver at Grande Equipment. Let's get it going with the uh, uh, quarter number one. We know we break it into three quarters. It's uh, quarter one brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert and my new pearly white smile, which I love so much. I'll tell you about Dr. Eckert, 27 years here in Austin, Texas, and uh, can get your smile uh, restored or even the permanently secured dental implants. He'll also tell you about his brain vault technology coming up in our program today. But here we are, Mike. Um, Longhorns now ranked third in the country in the AP poll. 
uh, right where they were a, year, a week ago. Thought maybe you know Michigan got behind Rutgers, went and beat Rutgers. Doesn't really matter at this point. They're three. Florida State had a great win over at uh, Clemson in the overtime, so they have an argument to be the highest-ranked team. I think Texas and Cle- or Florida State are right now are the most accomplished two teams in college football of what they've done on the football field compared to Georgia and Michigan, but I think Georgia and Michigan have earned a right based on where they've been as programs. But those are your best four teams right now in college football. I would add Ohio State after that win at Notre Dame. I thought USC. That was a, USC. Washington. I think Washington. If I had an AP poll vote, I think Washington would be my number one wow. team. Uh, Florida State, Texas uh, up there as well, Ohio State because of the win. I like to look at this stuff as a snapshot of the season, though. I, I think sometimes voters tend to like put their opinion on what it's going to be 10 weeks from now. I think it should just be week four. Those would be my most impressive teams. Uh, but Texas has been fantastic. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I, I thought a, a really good performance against Baylor would impress me more than the win at Alabama, and I left McLean Stadium with that thought of when I watched them play Alabama, it was like, okay, well, they were dominating that game. They're really talented, but they let Alabama kind of hang around and take a lead in the second half. They went through a big lull offensively. What is that Alabama team? I, I don't know how to judge that win as much. But this Baylor game, that that's the type of game that Texas tends to go in there and kind of lethargic their way through or maybe not play as crisp or as clean, treat it like some of the non-conference games that maybe we've seen so far. But they dominated from the very beginning, and that's the part that I was most impressed by. There was never this idea, like Texas is usually better than Baylor, but Texas doesn't always show that they're better than Baylor. Like It was so obvious from the very beginning that this wasn't an equal matchup. Like Something crazy was going to have to happen. For Baylor to even stay in that game, yeah, I mean, and so that—that's how stark it was. Yeah, I remember when the schedule came out, and we talked about it through our previous episodes through the summer. I was like, "Well, that Baylor Waco after right after Alabama, probably be three and zero, or you know, two and one, whatever you're going to do at Alabama." That Baylor game kind of scares you. I mean, no one realized just how far that program has fallen. That's for a different podcast. And uh, Dave Aran has got some issues between two bears. Between two bears, you're uh, on, the, on, the two of bears on the Republic on, uh, of Football Network. There you go. Good shout plug. out. Uh, go find that. Uh, they've got issues. Shameless and, plug. Yeah. Uh, but let's uh, talk about the Texas senior linebacker Jalen Ford, named the Reese's Senior Bowl Defensive Player of the Week. Eight tackles, an interception. He's also the Big 12's Defensive Player of the Week. That was my pick. Uh, uh, I'm in the pregame, which watching this Baylor offense, they weren't much, but you felt like he'd have some opportunities to drop in coverage, make a play, made it in the end zone, in the red zone. Texas played some great red zone defense, held Baylor to two field goals. Can we see the highlight, Nolan, from uh, Jalen Ford? This was an you know, interesting play of the game. You know, Texas muffed two punts. We'll start talking about his special teams. Uh, what wind was blowing. Uh, Xavier Worthy let one get to his shoulder pads. Keelan Robinson did on a kickoff. Jordan Whittington dropped one. They're going to make that a point of emphasis. But uh, Jalen Ford and the Longhorns stepped up. Big interception to uh, to not to not allow any points after a turnover. It felt like the exclamation point. Yeah, it just did. It just uh, and he should have taken a knee. Taken a knee. That's the one thing if we're going to. Cr- nitpick because right. he, he ended up with the ball to five yard line you're in the end so it was fourth down anyhow i mean 95 yard touchdown drive right after that's pretty uh exclamation point yeah well that and we'll hear sark say that coming up so good tease sark talked about the complimentary football they've been playing and that was part of that but and sark will even say what i just said take a knee take a knee and you're in the end zone mm-hmm. get us that 15 extra yards but we took care of it anyhow uh he led texas with eight tackles we said in that pick and the 38-6 win also today was announced no surprise the uh we know that the kansas game this week is 230 the Red River game, 11 o'clock. Not a surprise on ABC. It's 11 o'clock kick. So if you want to get your plans made, I'm sure you've been planning on it for your tailgates. Always get up there to that big Dallas, Texas, X's tailgate party. They have a great one right on the fairgrounds in the Cotton Bowl. Get you ready for that. That's 11 a.m. But here's the pivot point, uh, 
I think for me, uh, Mike, because they've gotten through Alabama, they've checked a lot of boxes so far. They're a really good team. Let's be, I mean, whether yeah. you want to make them three or five or one or two, wherever, doesn't matter. They're good. They're in contention. Well, now they face a point of their season where they're facing two ranked and two undefeated teams the next two weeks because they're going to play Kansas this week, who are 4-0 and now ranked number 24 in the country, and they've earned that. Beat BYU, went to a road, couple road games, Illinois, that they won on the road in the Big Ten. And um, so they're 4-0, and they seem to be better on defense. We'll talk about what, what Lance Leipold has done. Uh, but then you get Oklahoma, who's going to play Iowa State this weekend, and Norman, they're going to be undefeated come the Red River game. So this is this is now, you never know how season develops, but this is now the the critical two weeks of this season for the Longhorns. Yeah, and historically, I mean, even if we go back into Mac Brown's era, this was the the scary game for Texas every year, that week before Oklahoma. They always played pretty well the week after Oklahoma. The week before Oklahoma would be the one where they'd, you know, maybe, you know, either lose that game or it, it, at least be really close. You know, Kansas has two things that you can't coach. Uh, Kansas has a really good quarterback, uh, and Kansas has, you know, the best coach in, in the conference. And so – uh, they're gonna they're gonna scare Texas. They're gonna be you know maybe the best team that that Texas has played kind of so far. At least the most explosive. Like, I think they're gonna be. They're not the best team that Texas has played because Alabama's got so many so much talent. Their offense is going to challenge Texas more than I think any offense that they've played so far this season because of what the quarterback can do. Well, and maybe any more than they've will face all year. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance. And I think the way what you're trying to say is something we've talked about on our morning show. They have the, the the best offensive identity of any team they've played so far, for sure. They know who their quarterback is. They know who their running backs are. They know who their receivers are. They know their system. And it's very similar to Sark. I mean, Sark and Lance Leipold got you know, to their jobs the same year, and they've built their programs. And consistency and continuity in their coaching staffs, young players that have grown up, added some pieces. But let's hear Sark first, and let's talk about the Baylor game. Uh, to start this, we'll hear that. Is there an idea this could be a trap game ahead of Oklahoma? Sark was pretty emphatic about that today. Uh, let's start with cut one and, and uh, Sark talking today about what he liked and didn't like. Just the, uh, you know, the, the 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 after film watch, see it from the sidelines as Mike Craven got to do up in Waco, but then watching the film, what what uh, his overall assessment of what happened in Waco? Really proud of our guys in a, in a couple areas. You know, one was our ability to play complementary football. Um, you know, you, you think about. You know, we get a stop, we get a big punt return, two plays later, touchdown. Um, we're in the low red, fourth down, Jalen Ford gets an interception. Didn't love him bringing it out, but we get the ball on the five, and then the offense goes 95 yards for a touchdown. Uh, we muff a punt, sudden change. Our defense is able to take the field, put the fire out, all right, and not, not give momentum back to them. So from a complimentary football standpoint, I think that uh, you know, really stood out to me. Yeah, I think an area where we need to improve, I think we, we can be much better on special teams. I know it wasn't you know glaring outside of, you know we see the two muff punts, but it was other things beyond that. And we've got a very high standard here on special teams. So uh, that'll be a point of emphasis of ours uh, this week to make sure we get back to playing the standard on, on special teams that we're capable of. All right, so there you go. Yeah, the special teams got to fix that. Uh, you know, Sark wouldn't say it today, but you were there. The wind was up. The wind was blowing a little bit. And, uh, you know, X-Man's ball kind of knuckled, and he didn't get his feet under him. And they got to fix. They got to work on that. That was but, Baylor's best play. Yeah. <laughs> and they couldn't take advantage of it more than uh, more than they did. Uh, all right, no, let's, let's cut to cut three here. Uh, the offensive versatility. We're looking at positives after four weeks, uh, four wins. Offensive versatility. This is something I think we'll talk about with Kansas, that they are this way too. We just talked about their identity. Texas knows what they are now. Jonathan Brooks, who we'll hear Sark talk about more coming up, emerging as the RB1. They're, they're finding that lead guy. 
they're finding their identity. Quinn is settling down. All things we'll talk about here on this this episode. But uh, just the overall big picture, uh, Sark likes the, the versatility offensively and the opportunities that uh, they can go with from, from this point on. We try to we try to be a versatile football team, um, not not just on offense. We we try to do as many things as we can really well. And I, I've said this before the season to the team that we're not one dimensional, and we're going to have the ability this season to to win games a variety of ways. And early in the year, our ability to to throw the football was very effective. Um, Saturday night, our run game really came to life. Really, the last two weeks has been our run game that has put points on the board. Defensively, you know, we're very stout against the run, but yet we're not giving up touchdown passes either. And so, um, you know, historically, we've been a great block team. So far this season, where we're making our hay on, on punt return has been with the punt return game at the return. So we're trying to be as versatile as possible uh, so that when people – try to prepare for us they, they kind of have to pick their poison and then it's our job as coaches is to highlight you know the other area and to make sure that we're equipped enough to take advantage of the opportunities that we have yeah a lot of good players mike i mean jatavion sanders off to a tremendous start all-american caliber start having mm-hmm. a better start than brock bowers i don't know who's going to be the first team all-american but if you're voting today it'd be him uh, receivers, running backs, and, uh, you know, just, just the offensive line. I mean, I don't know that Baylor provided much resistance, but that was pretty impressive. Uh, Sark pulled out a lot of different formations and play calls in this game that the rest of the Big 12 now has to deal with and get ready for. We saw most of this coming. We knew Xavier Worthy was going to be a star. We, we figured A.D. Mitchell would slot himself in really well. J.T. Sanders is, is a future first-round draft pick. It's the emergence of Jonathan Brooks and the consistency of Quinn Ewers. He hasn't made the big mistake. You know, maybe the deep shots aren't exactly what you want, right? But like he, he's played well enough, and in those big games when they've needed the deep shot, he, he figured it out against Alabama. Uh, but Sark talked about all offseason how he's always found a guy. There's always been a guy in the running game that's emerged and become a 1,000-yard rusher. He's always had that. We figured it'd be C.J. Baxter. I figured it'd be C.J. Baxter. Uh, and, and it sounded like it was going to be. Uh, after fall camp you know Baxter got the first run out there in the first game Um, we thought Jonathan Brooks was going to be kind of the reserve guy again this year and when he got his opportunity he took it he stepped up and he's played really well in the biggest games and I don't think he's going to give that job back doesn't feel like it I mean he is really since from the fourth quarter of the Alabama game we'll hear Sark talking about him coming up in our second quarter we're going to hear Sark talk about some of the key standouts that we've seen so far including Jonathan Brooks and where he's at Uh, but let's hear Sark on on where the program is because Sark was asked today Go back two years ago, the Kansas game. Are you going to talk about that? Because you guys got to make a you know amends and avenge the Baylor loss in Waco two years ago. Sark was pretty clear that this team's not looking back. This team's not looking back uh, at what they were. They are happy where they are, and there's a new mission this week, and that's the uh, Kansas Jayhawks. We've we've come a long way as a program, um, and in a lot of phases, you know, schematically, you know, um, the roster, the culture, um, the environment at DKR. Um, we don't have to go backwards. You know, we're going to keep forging forward, and you know, we, we've got a, we've got a lot of goals that that we're trying to obtain this year, and we're trying to reach. Um, we recognize Kansas is a good football team, um, but to try to make our guys feel bad for losing a game two years ago that it, that it sucked for everybody, uh, I don't I don't know what benefit that is. We got to focus on the task at hand, and that's playing this Kansas team because this Kansas team is a lot different than that Kansas team two years ago as well. Yeah, well, they're better. You're better, and uh, you know, Sark went on to you. Really, you know, I thought he get got kind of zen today because he was talking about um, 
you know, going back, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you gotta face that adversity. He said that game when they lost to Kansas two years ago, which is embarrassing at the, where Kansas was for, you know, in a five and seven season, that was the exclamation point of how bad it was. Sark said, you know, sometimes that's, you, you got to go through that. You went through some hard times in your life, Mike. We all do. Sark did. Mm-hmm. He actually, you can almost see he was going personal, that sometimes you got to hit in the face. You got to realize who are the guys in your locker room that are with you? Who are the guys in this program that are battling and pulling the rope the same direction? It was a really good cut and a really good point that, uh, you know, we got, we, got a, we got to see pretty starkly that we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, he said something about, you know, some storms come along to clear paths. And, you know, I think that's true in, in life and in football. He seems like a coach that's kind of grown up and is really comfortable with himself, comfortable uh, with this football team. And, and they're playing with that maturity that we're seeing on the sideline as well. That was a very mature uh, game against Baylor and a mature win a- against Baylor. I feel like well, I was joking with this with uh, Ish- Ishmael Johnson, our, our college editor at Texas Football. There's kind of like a before Bo Davis rant and an after Bo Davis rant. Yeah. Um, and that Kansas game kind of does feel like a fulcrum moment for that program where, you know, it could have folded and that could have been like a defining factor that like when we, when Sark gets fired, we talk about the Kansas game is when we knew that it was never going to work. Instead, it seems like behind the scenes, just from listening to the players, listening to Sark, that it was kind of a come to Jesus moment of like, your shit does stink, right? Like, you you know, like we're not as good as we should be at the University of Texas. It was a, a sobering moment, it seems like, for everybody involved. And I don't know this. I just remember senior day last year when we talked about Roshan Johnson at a point in the season stepping up and telling the coaches, I got this, and, and berating the whole team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was that moment. I don't know when that was. But that's what you're talking about, that sometimes you got to find out who are the guys who are with you and who are the guys that need to be let go out of the program. And sometimes you need to see how far you need to go. Yeah. And losing to Kansas yeah. will tell you how far you need and, to and go. And they were terrible at that point. They had scholarship limits. Lance Leipold has done a tremendous job of building this team to where they are now. That team should have never beaten Texas. And we know the walk-on, overtime, all that stuff, uh, you know, just a bad loss. Uh, but as I like the way Sark said, we're not looking behind. we got a lot to work on. But one other on that, because he was asked with Oklahoma looming, we, we've teased this a little bit, uh, with Oklahoma looming, what is there an idea this could be a trap game? Uh, is this one that you're, you're looking ahead at? Sark was pretty adamant that uh, that's not going to happen. Yes, I think this is a top 25 matchup of two undefeated teams, uh, both very good. Um, and in our mind, like we posted today, this, this is we're playing for first place. Right, and and our goal is to is to you know get to Arlington in December to compete for a Big 12 championship game, and this game is going to matter a lot in if we have that opportunity or not. And so this game has got our undivided attention. Again, we talked about it at length with the team this morning that that our focus is on the next mission, and and, and Kansas is the next mission, and they need all of our attention. They're a very good football team, and so. I don't feel that at all. I haven't heard one word about next week. And so that, that's a good thing. You know, it's not like I had to stop anybody anywhere to say, hey, no, no, no. Uh, our guys are focused, and, and they know what it's going to take. And all we have to do is turn the tape on of Kansas. They're, they're 4-0 for a reason. It's not by fluke. These guys are playing very good football right now. All right, there's Steve Sarkeesian, and that'll wrap up our first quarter. Brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert. Coming up, we'll hear some specific uh, Sark thoughts on players that are really standing out here early in the year, and some maybe we didn't even talk about much leading into the season, including Jonathan Brooks, David Benda, but obviously some other guys that we kind of did. But uh, first quarter is brought to you by Dr. Greg Eckert, my good friend and dentist, and you can see 
my great new smile. Getting compliments everywhere I go. Uh, people are like, man, your teeth look great. That's a, a total different thing. You're more confident in your smile. And it's what it's about, whether it's a single tooth or multiple teeth. And you do like I do where they restore your teeth, meaning build right over what's there, kind of grind them down a little bit and then use that as the foundation. Or if you just need to start over, the permanently secured dental implants, uh, Dr. Ecker can do both of those procedures better than anybody you're going to find here in Central Texas. He's restored and done over a 1,000 cases, and it's just life-changing. Now, people walk out crying because they walk in with uh, the smile that they've been hiding for a long time, and all of a sudden they have this new smile that they're so proud of. I can relate for sure. Why not give him a call for a consultation here in Austin if you're in Central Texas watching our multicast? Uh, again, he is the best. They go to lengths no one else goes to. I got to have a wax impression so I could see it before we even did anything. This is what it's going to look like. Is that what you want? Would that work? Yes. Uh, happy with that. Uh, not everybody does that. He's got his own off-site ceramist, a ceramic guy that comes in and dentist, artist that comes in and helps you define your, your mouth that fits your jawline. It's everything you want. Give him a call for a consultation where you're the boss. You make informed decisions about your dental health care needs. Dr. Greg Eckert. It's Eckert with a U. Sounds like an E, but it's U-E-C-K-E-R-T. Uh, 345-3166. 345-3166. Dr. Greg Eckert, life-changing smile. Just oral hygiene if you want to do that too. He's a great dentist, great team. 27 years right there off far west in north central Austin. Dr. Greg Eckert. All right, Mike, second quarter. Let's dive into some specific uh, player conversations brought to you by our uh, our man Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy. That's the TexasMortgageGuy.com online. He is the Texas Mortgage Guy. Refis, new house, home, uh, new purchase of any kind. Called our man Carlos. We'll tell you about it coming up. All right, uh, Quinn, you were at the game uh, in Baylor. Quinn, yours, the Wyoming game, a little, little skittish at times. Still won the game. Uh, but here's Sark when asked about Quinn and what he saw from him. This is kind of an interesting cut, I think, Mike, about what he what, what he's trying to get Quinn to to zero in on week to week to become that consistent quarterback that can take Texas a long way. Here's uh, Sark on Quinn's performance in Waco. Quinn works really hard throughout the week to get prepared for a ball game. And then when the game comes, trusting that preparation um, so that he can play loose, free, and confident. I always feel like with Quinn, he's at his best when he's a little bit more loose, a little bit more confident. Um, I, don't, I don't want him to work playing quarterback. I want him to play quarterback and enjoy playing and have fun. And, um, and he's allowed to do that when you put the work in. And it's okay to go play free. And that's how I want our entire team to be. You know, we're, that's when we're at our best, you know, that when we're confident in the prep that we put in and then we can go cut it loose and, and have fun playing the game that we prepared to go play. And Quinn's no different than, than the rest of the guys on the team. Play loose. Play prepared, but then don't think through the game. Just play. Can we play this highlight? And I want your thoughts, Mike, because you were there live. Uh, this was a play I don't know that Quinn would have made last year. I think the, the shedding of 20 pounds, the more confidence in his athleticism. Um, you know, Quinn, you were taking off and showing some speed down the outside against that Baylor defense. Here's Quinn to the house. Another rushing touchdown. He's got uh, you know, three or four of them already this year. All right, Mike, uh, you, you saw it live. I mean, he played loose, ha having fun out there. Obviously, the Baylor game will be different than others he'll have, but, man, uh, he's kind of coming into his own as a quarterback both – you know, playing naturally, but also making some throws. Yeah, Franklin thought he had the angle. We all thought he had the angle, or at least, you know, Quinn was going to just kind of go out of bounds, and all of a sudden he cuts it up and takes it in. And it adds a whole nother 
uh, dimension to this team, right? It's harder to play man coverage if the quarterback, you know, if everything else can, is taken, can go and do that. It also helps for the offensive line. He got sacked three times. If he can move around and help that number be lower, um, that's a good thing. Yeah, Quinn's been great. Like Quinn, Quinn's uh, played really well. That was a he's played really well on the road too. Like that's that's two uh, really good performances on the road for him early on. Yeah, uh, Sarker talked about that today. That maybe because you know they've had you know one pre-snap penalty on the road at Alabama and Baylor. And you said the, the, the environment was hype. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was in Alabama, but it was a great crowd, the best one you've been to. And he, he's like, well, maybe we, we take it easy when we get home. We don't have to focus as much as we do on the road. Because we get on, on the road, we laser focus. Well, we got to – and Sark said, we got to start doing that because we, we don't have to deal with the home crowd noise. We just have to be better because against Wyoming, they had four or five pre-snap penalties. And Sark and, and Quinn didn't play – as loose as we, we maybe need to see him. And those are good things to kind of build on for this team because, you know, great teams, championship teams get better week to week. They get better every week. They find something that they got to work on. This week it's going to be special teams and catching punts. Yeah. And uh, that's the those are the good teams that take that seriously. And it's on to Kansas. Okay, great. We won Baylor. On to Kansas, Mike. Let's get better. It also feels like Quinn is starting to understand his job isn't to go win football games as much as it is to just – Get the ball into J.T. Sanders' hand, into A.D. Mitchell's hand, and Xavier Worthy, and then those guys go win and f- win you football games, right? And so uh, he's taking what the defense has given him. Uh, I think he's starting to see more and more defenses play that kind of like up into his face and, and try to blitz them and, and make them uh, get the ball out, and he's he's handled that really well. I mean, 18 of 23, um, really good in the pocket, so can get outside the pocket now and run a little bit. He, he's starting to add to his game. And zero turnovers. Yeah. Zero turnovers in four games. With this defense, if he doesn't turn the ball over, they're going to be really hard to beat. Because, again, what else did they have in this game, Mike? Another 21-point quarter. They've had one in every game. It was the third quarter against Rice. It was the fourth quarter against Wyoming and Alabama. It was the second quarter of this game. And with that defense, if they can separate by three touchdowns, you're not catching them. I mean, you're just not coming back. And that's the explosivity that is going to be hard to, to if they keep doing it. Because where you you get bogged down is with penalties and turnovers. All right, let's hear about uh, Jonathan Brooks. I love this cut. You just said it, Mike, that you thought maybe C.J. Baxter would emerge as the lead running back. I think we all did. And as I said with Jonathan Brooks, uh, here's a guy who <coughs> played behind Bijan, five-star, generational talent. Roshan, pretty damn good, too. Both are playing in the NFL. And then they recruit this five-star, C.J. Baxter, and now he's starting. And you're like, yeah, I'm transferring out of here. Screw this place. I don't want to be here. Uh, we're going to see a highlight from Jonathan, who had plenty of them on Saturday. Let's hear Sark first talking about learning from Roshan and Bijan, and now he's you know, putting to practice what he learned from from two great mentors and, and becoming a great leader himself. I think I think this for for Jonathan. You know, I think he got a great experience his first two years here. You know, playing with Bijan and Roshan in one the type of teammates that they were, uh, two the leadership they provided, three the work ethic that they played with, and then four the skill set. Right? I mean, some of the little nuances that they do when they play, and before we even got into the season, you know, Jonathan this year was on our leadership committee um, because he does things the right way. He's got great demeanor about him. He's a, he's a worker. Um, he's a very reliable young man. And in the end, you know, as the season got into the season, we felt like Cedric had earned the opportunity to be the first back out. You know, things have, have shifted some. Now Jonathan has been the first guy out here for a couple weeks, and he's playing really good football for us. I mean, I thought he set the tone the other night with that long touchdown run, and I think he surprised a lot of people. I think on our on our guns, he was just under 22 miles an hour, so he's got more 
he's got more juice in there that maybe we give him credit for. Um, and But we definitely know we, we need Cedric back 100% as well. And I think he's close to it. It was good to see him play and get his first touchdown the other night. But that combination of those two guys as we work our way through the season, you know, we'll, we'll feel it out as we go. But Jonathan has definitely earned the opportunity to get a bulk of carries. Um, he's, he's doing it at a high level. And now we just got to keep you know, him mastering the, the total package of the complete game. But he's been a threat in the pass game, catching the ball out of the backfield. He's ran the ball well. So um, we're, we're definitely lucky to have him. All right, let's hear let's – see let's see the run. We, you know, he also had the screen pass with a one-handed catch, and Quinn made a great throw to thread a needle. Uh, let's see the run where he talks about he nearly reached 22 miles an hour to get that corner and get to the pylon. All right, interesting. And he mentioned C.J. Baxter. And look, Sark is is there's a method to it, right? When you recruit a five star and you put him on the field, that helps recruit the next five star. So, uh, you know, Jonathan's kind of caught up in that. And C.J. Baxter is still going to get carries. He, he he's a great player. Uh, you know, but, you know, fans and, our, and will argue a little bit. Should it just be Jonathan all the time? C.J.'s going to play, right? I mean, that, not that he hasn't earned it, but there was a moment in this game where he hobbled off the field after one carry, and almost like they told him, "Hey, get back in there, C.J." Are you hurt or are you injured? I mean, because he keeps leaving games with what, you know, they seem to be somewhat minor injuries. I'm not I'm not trying to be a medical doctor here. But, you know, and I talked to Rod Babers about this on our morning show. Young players have to learn that, that, that you know, are you hurt or are you, I mean, meaning you got to play through some pain. If you're injured, we're going to put your back up in because you're going to be less effective than him. But sometimes you got to grind those things out. And maybe we're seeing that with a young back like CJ trying to learn how to play big-time football. Yeah, I mean, you're starting to see the benefit of, of being able to d- mature your body and get into the weight room for a couple of years and, and how that helps a running back in Jonathan Brooks. You know, he averages, you know, he's averaged 6.2 yards a carry since he's been on campus. You know, he didn't get a lot, of, a lot of reps. He's already ran the ball more this year than he had in the two years previous combined. But when he had those opportunities, we saw glimpses he of what, you know, he, he, he showed some stuff in some real football games. And so I, you know, and I, you know, a former Texas high school recruiting writer and, and high school sports reporter, he was Mr. Texas football at Dave Campbell's for a reason. I mean, he, he was a legit workhorse running back who proved he, cause like, I think the next question for, for, uh, Brooks is like, can he handle the workload? Well, he's not going to carry the ball as much as he did in high school, right? I mean, Played I know it's linebacker too, right? Yeah, I mean, he was playing secondary and running the football. I mean, he was playing 100 snaps a game. Very similar to Jordan Whittington. And uh, I know as your yeah. your former profession or career, wherever you were with the Statesman, you love those small school guys, yeah. right? That they're I think they're cousins too. Actually. Yeah, they might be. Yeah. I mean, they play together. They play, they play similar type right. style of football. And they're from a small town. They're small town kids that you know. I mean, he was that, carrying the ball like forty times a game. Like, <laughs> like he he he's used to it, and so uh, yeah, I think he's going to handle it well. Um, and he's had a couple of years to to build that armor in the weight room that C.J. Baxter just hasn't yet. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and the mentality potentially. Uh, let's hear from Sark on this. Another player. Let's go to the defensive side because the defense has been the most consistent part of this Texas team this week against Baylor. Texas finally put a great first half together and scored twenty eight points and really separated before halftime. Uh, but the defense has been outstanding all year long. One of those guys uh, is David Benda, who had a great play, showing his speed running down a play in that game. That was a big question. Who's going to play the linebacker next to Jalen Ford, who's the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week, the Reese's Senior Bowl, Defensive Player nationally coming off this game with Baylor. Here's Sark on David Benda. This is another cool story, and I like this. This is really good stuff from Sark. Talking about Jonathan Brooks sticking with it, being perseverant. David Benda, in this day and age of college football, 
you go. You go play somewhere else. Uh, this guy didn't. Sark wants to highlight that and make sure people understand that there are still student-athletes playing college football. this day and age of college football, uh, I, I think we're, we're diminishing and losing the value of perseverance. And he is a prime example of perseverance that, you know, for two years, he's at best a role player, you know, spotty special teams play. Um, some games, you know, plays a few snaps, some not. Uh, but the, the stick to the the work ethic, um, the commitment to the program, like I said, he had his best offseason this offseason, his best spring, his best summer. Um, you know, and in the end, he's earning a degree from the University of Texas, which was part of the reason he chose to come to school here. And he's a frontline player for us now. He's a team leader. Um, hopefully that, that we celebrate those guys more nowadays because they're starting to become a dying breed. We, we, we don't see those guys as much anymore. It's nowadays if, well, he's not starting as a true freshman or a, or a true sophomore, so what's wrong? Well, he's developed, you know, and development is, is a big key component to building your program and sustaining your program. Um, but the players need to recognize development too. And I think that's something that David recognized, that he continued to get better, he continued to work. I think credit Jeff Choate, our linebacker coach, for, for the work that he's done with him. And, and hopefully there's more examples of that as we move through this era of the transfer portal, that, that those guys that, that have that level of perseverance off the field to stick to something that they committed to doing, um, I think carry that perseverance onto the field with them as well. And um, I think David's just a, a really prime example of that. All right, great story. I mean, you talk about it all the time. I mean, this is you're losing what makes the kind of the fabric of college football, a lot of levels, traditions, rivalries, conferences. But, you know, because, again, David Benda could have left and gone somewhere else and started and not waited his turn and all that, and now he is, and he's making the most of it. One of the episodes this summer when you were out uh, with all your travels for your real job uh, at uh, Dave Campbell's <laughs> Texas Football, uh, we had Dorian, we had uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey in who played with David. And he said, watch David Bender this year. David Bender, this is his year. He's put in the work. He's put in the time. And he was very, you know, pounding on the table over there. You love these kind of stories. Yeah, I love these kind of stories. You know, remember, he was brought in by Tom Herman's staff. So this isn't even his staff. He got in some trouble at the Alamo Bowl. I remember when he was young, he got sent home from that and, and it was able to come back from that. He's always had a bunch of talent, you know, always had the raw tools there, just figuring out how to play football, learning how to do the reads. He's, he was relatively new to football in high school, didn't grow up. Uh, playing football, you know, Nigerian background, grew up playing soccer mostly, kind of like Joseph Osai. Uh, so, you know, just learning that middle linebacker position is tough. But I think this is also a credit to the coaching staff, to, to Pete Kwiatkowski, to Jeff Choate, to those guys on the – to not throw away a dude like that, to, to, to keep working with them, to keep polishing them, to keep making them better, even as a role player for two years. It would have been very easy for them to move on from David Binda as well. Uh, but the fact that he's playing so well this year, just like the fact that Jalen Ford – uh, developed so much the year before, I think to me points to what this staff is doing. Yeah, we'll talk about that coming up in our third quarter recruiting philosophy and then development on top of recruiting and how they sell this program. One other on defense, and I want to ask you a question about the secondary and the rotating of guys because you were there to see it. But Byron Murphy continues to play at an extremely high level. He's lead blocking on goal line situations now. Uh, he's just a tenacious pass rusher next to Tavondre Sweat, who's also playing at an elite level right now on the defensive line. Those two together are as good a combination as there is in college football right now. Uh, we've heard Sark talk about T. Sweat. Let's hear him talk about Byron Murphy and what makes him such a special player for the Longhorns, both offensively now and certainly in the trenches. 
Kind of built like a pit bull, man. Uh, you know, he, he's, he is strong. He's got really strong shoulders. He's extremely quick and powerful. He's got a very high football IQ, and he plays hard. And so those are all really cool prerequisites that you want to have as a defensive lineman, especially with his stature. Um, the one thing he provides for us offensively is, A, the football IQ is helpful, but B, the athleticism. He's got really good feet. His change of direction is excellent. You see that at D-line play, but you see it on offense too. I mean, we ran a lead play Saturday on the goal line, and he was able to kind of adjust off of it and, and kick the defender out to, to get Brooks in the end zone. Obviously, we saw the hands a couple weeks ago, so it takes athleticism too. It's one thing to know what to do and how to do it, but you have to have the ability. And uh, he's great player out of DeSoto, Claude Mathis, obviously Jonte Cook and Trey Wisner. How about Trey Wisner? Is it Wisner or Wisner? Tell me. Wisner. Wisner. Did you see his hit on the kickoff yeah, return? Dude, dude, he was down. That was like Roshan Johnson as a freshman knocking people out. I think that was a little DeSoto connection because that was right after Jonte had his huge play. So he was like, oh, let me go get me let one. Let me go now. make a play. Yeah, you love that. And that's that South Dallas, that South Dallas dog. I mean, they're they're coming and they compete with one another. It's good for the Texas football program. That tells you Wisner's probably going to be a guy to watch. Yeah, guy will come in on – Michael Griffin did that, uh, come in on special teams and just start knocking people around. And uh, Roshan Johnson did that on his way to being, you know, one of the leaders of Texas. That's that, that's how, how much you love your teammates. You're going to run down there full speed and knock someone down. You're mm-hmm. running back. Yeah. Byron Murphy reminds me of Aaron Donald. Yeah. Like, just a just – a, he, he doesn't – he's not Tavondre Sweat big, right? He's not Alfred Collins physically imposing big. But you can't get under him. Like, he's going to win the leverage battle. He's stronger than anybody else on the football field. And I think he could play 100 snaps. Like, I, I've never seen him tired. Yeah, Going they, back to his high school days. Well, and that's kind of the pit bull comparison, right? Those dogs don't get tired. They're just mm-hmm. tenacious. and Lockjaw. He uh, he set a, a DeSoto record with 14 sacks back in 2020. They've had some really good football players. That <laughs> defensive line had Shamar Turner on there as well. That's from A&M. The, the, from A&M. Imagine blocking that. Uh, you know, after algebra class. <laughs> no, thanks. No. I'd rather block that than do algebra. I was terrible. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, you might have not been able to do algebra again if you tried to block that. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Brain injury. But, yes, well said. Uh, all right, good stuff there. Um, you know, a couple other notes, and then we'll get to a, a, our halftime. Coming up, we'll talk recruiting and the big commitment of the uh, five-star number one tackle prospect in the nation. And Sark talking about his recruiting philosophy. Also, our Final Four coming up. The four big conversations surrounding college football coming out of a huge Saturday of college football. But uh, your thoughts on the on the defensive back? Sark was asked today, are, you're rotating a lot of guys. Jalen Catalan has only played like 37% of the snap so far. Uh, it does feel like if there's a you know, a place you can attack on the Texas defense. It's some of those safeties in coverage. They gave up some deep balls again to Baylor. Uh, Michael Taff was on the field for one of them. Ryan Watts got beat on one. Jaron Thompson has struggled at times in coverage. You're seeing Derek Williams, the five-star, the Raptor, they call him, with the long arms coming in from Louisiana, five-star freshman. He's getting more time. But then Sark was asked, is Jalen Catalan on a pitch count? You're trying to keep him from getting hurt for the bigger games. He said, no, no, we just rotate. We like our guys. We rotate them based on situation and, and feel. Uh, now, one thing that we've talked about is, you know, should you go from starters two to two new backups? Could you, you know, one and one, right, keep a starter and bring in a backup and then rotate? What's your take on what's going on in the defensive backfield? I think the reason you want to bring in them as a group is because they practice together. Okay. And so much of that deep safety play is communication that if you haven't been making those calls with the other guy and what you're looking for, I think that can lead to some stuff. So you almost you almost group them together on the back end. I think it shows that they don't have a guy that they feel – I mean, they don't have like a Thorpe Award winner. But, you know, you wouldn't be doing this if your deep safety was Michael Huff. 
You know, like it, it's because they have some holes in their game that when it gets to certain situations, maybe this other guy is better at playing man coverage or it's third and 13. Let's get Jaron Thompson off the field. Uh, it's second and four. Let's get Jaron Thompson on the field. And so and, and he's not going to admit that Jalen Catalan's on a pitch count, but Jalen Catalan's on a pitch count. You know, like he he's going to be just the, the way he he plays football. You're trying to save him uh, for the for the whole season. And there's stuff that Jalen Catalan struggles with. Um, and so. I think it just goes back to having a, a bunch of talent, but maybe not a superstar at safety that, that can't be taken off the field. Good points. All all right. Halftime. That's our uh, second quarter brought to you by Carlos Carrion. He is our Texas mortgage guy. He is the TexasMortgageGuy.com here on the Eyes on Texas multicast. When it's time for a new mortgage, for a new home, if you want to buy a rental property uh, or refi, because that's going to start coming as, as rates go down, they will eventually. Uh, that's when you're going to call Carlos. Keep him in your Rolodex. Always better working with an expert in the field. And Carlos is a lifelong Austinite, nearly a decade in the industry. He's also a diehard Longhorn fan. Uh, and so when you're dealing with him, you can talk some Texas football, any sport, loves baseball, basketball as well. Makes sense to do a big, big uh, you know, decision like that with a like-minded person who's going to guide you in the right direction. Knows the lay of the land. Uh, he is the best. Ten years in the industry. Not here to provide you with just a quote. It's a guide to help solve problems, roadmaps to what the plan can be, strategize these really, really big decisions. Timing even. I don't think the timing's right based on your situation. Let's wait a little bit. Come back in a few months. We'll do it and get this done. It's great communication, fast response times every time. It's Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy. Don't forget the the, the TexasMortgageGuy.com. All right, halftime time. And it's brought to you by our friends at One Source Gas of Austin. They are your Texas compressed gas leader, bringing you our intermission. And that means we talk a little NFL. Longhorns have 30-plus guys playing on NFL rosters every Sunday now, including uh, one Andrew Beck. Andrew Beck, Rob, Mike Craven. I know you don't watch the most NFL, but the Houston Texans beat Jacksonville on Sunday, 37-17. to And, you know, Jacksonville looked like they weren't ready to play in that game. I'll give you my opinion. I'm a Texans fan, which is hard to be. But they didn't look ready to play. But they gave up a they had a blocked field goal, then they missed a kick, and then on a kickoff that kind of bounced. And the up back, Andrew Beck, who was supposed to be lead blocking for a kick return, picked it up and ran 85 yards for a touchdown. We can't show that highlight because of NFL rules. Here's a, here's a, a good thing we can we can show is a tick a post game interview from Jimmy Ward, who was on the sideline for this play. Jimmy Ward, safety. And this perfectly describes if if you didn't see the play, this tells you what hold down his chest, and I was like, oh. And then he picked it up and he broke the tackle. I was like, oh. And then he broke another tackle. I was like, oh. And then he broke another tackle. I was like, oh. And he broke another. I was like, oh. And I was like, oh. He finished score. And he scored. So hopefully I see that on ESPN Top 10. That was, it was one of those moments that you just, you can't believe it happened and it happened. And that was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen in the NFL since I've been in, in the league. And it's, it's been 10 years since I've been in the league. That was just crazy. That was awesome. 85 yards, Mike. Andrew Beckham, we had foot injuries at Texas. Yeah, I saw a, a list of top speeds from the NFL this weekend, and Andrew Beck was in like eighth spot on that. <laughs> uh, he got up over twenty miles per hour on that run, which shows what adrenaline can do for you. It's like when I you're being <laughs> right. It's like being chased like a lion. He, like he knew this was like his one and only opportunity for do the, to do this, and he probably ran faster than he's ever ran in his entire life. That's awesome. That is awesome. Seize your opportunity. What did Eminem say? You got one yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah. To you know, seize your chance. opportunity. What else happened in the NFL? Uh, you know, I know it wasn't a great day for Bijan. Uh, no, Bijan only had 10 carries, 33 yards. He only scored Fal- six points in Detroit. Yeah, Falcons got to figure something out with that offense. Uh, Deshaun Elliott played a nice game. Five tackles, three solo, two PBUs versus Denver in that nasty blowout. 70 blow to 20. Denver quit. 
Denver yeah, quit. Denver you can't quit. gain 750 yards in an NFL game if the other team doesn't quit. <laughs> Mike McDaniel is he's a genius. And he's like the only thing in the NFL that I have to watch at all times. Yeah. Like his press no, conference is great. Mean, like he just he's an enjoyable character. Yeah, but this is the NFL. These are professionals. I mean, yes, they're the best offense and they're going to play Buffalo this yeah, week. Went no look. This could have been a uh, spite game for uh, Mike McDaniel because Nobody called him when Denver had the vacancy yeah, job. Yeah, he grew up a ball boy and for he the was Denver a ball Broncos. Boy for Denver. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And Vic Fangio was the former head coach in Denver, so he knows that personnel very well. Mm-hmm. And Tua Tungavailoa doesn't like Sean Payton very much because apparently Sean Payton, as a TV commentator last year, didn't have some very nice things to say about Tua. So, yeah, it was personal. But if you go watch the game, the Denver defense laid down. 70. They Four laid down. They gave up 726 offense. yards of offense. That is – I mean, gosh, shameful, shameful. But, yes, uh, Miami's very, very good. Probably the best offense in all of pro football, and uh, they're really fun. They played that game without Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle didn't play, uh, and they still ran it up with Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert and Devin Achane, the mm-hmm. former Texas Devon A&M star. Achan. What is it? He yes, came out a- and said Achan now. A-chan. Yeah, I've been saying it Achan since he was like 16 years old. And he's finally telling us? Yeah. Yeah. He took him a set. I swore of he's. I think game. he's learned how to say it. Like you know, it's A-chan? like yeah, it's like one of those family names that like you know you finally figure out how like your grandma said it or now, something now like that. Because like I've talked to him and like I feel like he said a chain for like a long period <laughs> of time. Play by play guy says it, yeah. he used a chain as right. kind of a of a pun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His whole A and M career. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, maybe grandma called and said, "Right, I'm hearing this on TV. You're right. saying it wrong." Or he's getting older and he finally like corrected people. Yeah, he's know? getting much tougher. Right. He had 260 yards rushing in an right. NFL football game. So. Right. That was. A good time to do <laughs> that'll it. help yeah. uh, but he's an aggie so uh but what else long who knew nolan who else had some good games uh jordan hicks had another solid week for himself against the chargers six tackles five solo and a fumble recovery playing for minnesota playing for minnesota yes sir uh justin tucker was one for two with the 50 yard field goal it's a big uh, miss too by the way yeah, tucker doesn't miss many miss. but that was a you know 1919 game he missed one he almost never does uh, Keontae Egram got some got some carries, got five carries, thirteen yards, and a reception for eight yards. That's against the Cowboys. Against the Cowboys, got the win. Uh, Roshan Johnson uh, still trying to get his trying to get it going in that offense. That offense Bears are is, awful. Uh, Bears are, Bears not are good. awful. But uh, eight carries, thirty eight yards, and of course the Andrew Beck Love highlight it. of the weekend. Love it. All right, Nolan will have that every week, compiling what the Longhorns are doing, and uh, always good to keep up with the former Longhorns. Also, as we move into our third quarter. We'll tell you about the future Longhorns on the recruiting trail. I do want to tell you that halftime brought to you by One Source Gas. They are your leader, locally owned and operated for a dozen plus years now. They understand that uh, when it comes to compressed gas needs, it's just one of those things you have to have if you if you need it to run your business. And whether you're in the uh, service industry, hospitality, medical industry, uh, veterinarian, and you need that gas, you got to have it or else you can't operate. They are your source every time to get it on time and ready to go. Customer service, key to their success, has been for a dozen years. They started as a small company here in Austin. They've grown down into San Marcos and into San Antonio and continuing to expand because they know what they're doing. They take care of you, the customer, every time. So if you're a bar owner, restaurant owner, dental office, veterinary, uh, clinic. You have a business that has compressed gas needs, CO2 especially. They are your provider every time. Call or visit. Website is onesourcegasatx.com. Onesourcegasatx.com or call them 214-8484. That's 512-214-8484. Richard or one of his great staff members will be glad to get you going and uh, get your compressed compress gas needs where they need to be on time, on delivery, and hassle-free every time. All right, third quarter time. Delivered by the Good Times and Incredible Scratch Comfort Food at Hayes City Store and Ice House in Driftwood, Texas. 
One of my favorite places on the planet to hang out and have a great meal, watch sports, watch live music. Uh, open for business every day. We'll tell you about them. But uh, let's get into the recruiting. Big day yesterday. In addition to the big win on Sunday afternoon evening out in uh, Modern Day High School. Where is that in California? Do we know? It's uh, South California. Southern California. Yeah, L.A. Uh, football powerhouse in uh, Los Angeles. Santa uh, Ana. Steve Sarkeesian has great ties with this school. His son, his son, who's on the Texas team as a walk-on, played at, at Matter Day. Of course, he grew up in Southern California, went to, was at USC, understands that area, so he has good ties, uh, and that maybe leads to some of this. But uh, Brandon Baker, five-star left tackle, playing right tackle at Modern Day because I, I just think it's a better fit in that, for that team right now, uh, but can project at both sides. Uh, number one tackle prospect in America commits to Texas over Ohio State, Oregon, even Nebraska, and Matt Rule made a late push for him. Uh, this is big time. Uh, Kyle Flood has done a tremendous job. There are now 20 linemen going to be in this program. Remember, after this year, whatever happens, Craven, the uh, Longhorns are – there's only one guy that has to graduate this offseason, and that's the right tackle, Christian Jones, who's, by the way, playing great for Texas right now. But everyone else is allowed to come back, uh, including now you're adding the number one tackle prospect in the nation to go with the number one edge rushing prospect in the nation, uh, who we've talked about here on the multicast before, the Eyes on Texas, Colin Simmons out of Duncanville. That's big time to get both of those tackle and then premier positions. I grew up going to Texas practices. That's what I did for five years, hang out with my grandfather and go watch UT practice. And it was more exciting than the football games most of the time back then because they were you know, blowing out teams like they did Baylor this week. But you could go to practice and watch Roy Williams against really good corners or Rod Babers against really good uh, wide receivers. It's starting to get back to that point. Yeah. Right? We're like, you know, Colin Simmons versus a, a Brandon Baker. Like, th- that's going to be as talented as those guys see. And this is how you win SEC football games is you get really good up front. You're good in the pass rush. You're good in the interior. You're good on the offensive line. Sark's been on that mission since he got here. That was, like, mission statement number one is to get big bodies into this program. Uh, and when you watch Kelvin Banks and how he's developed, I'd imagine, as a tackle, you would look at that and go, like, I just want them to do that for me, right? Kelvin Banks is about to be a multimillionaire. Um, I think Brandon Baker feels like he can be kind of next in line there. Well, and I think that the thing I mentioned, Christian Jones has to graduate this year or leave. He can't be here next year unless something changes. Uh, but he's, you know, improving his NFL draft stock, which is goal. I think that's part of Brandon Baker. He's looking at that saying, I can play right tackle next year at Texas. I mean, I can go in there and compete, and they sold that to him. Kelvin Banks started as a freshman. If you're the best guy, you can play opposite Kelvin Banks and begin your journey towards Sunday in the National <laughs> And there's Park. worse things to, to be than Arch Manning's blind side, potentially. <laughs> Correct. And Arch Manning coming, Quinn Ewers having a good year. They're recruiting at a high level across the board. I wanted to play this because, look, NIL helps. They have the Pancake Factory, right? We understand that. But so does Oregon, and so does Ohio State. I mean, yeah. Texas may have more. Nebraska's not hurting Nebraska's not. You know, so when you talk about how much is NIL, sure it is. I mean, there's no doubt. You can't minimize the fact that they can make money now. And, you know, the NIL with the Pancake Factory, every offensive lineman makes, what, fifty grand yeah. a year. Okay, that's pretty good money. Great. And I'm so for it. But – USC, Oregon, Ohio State can do the same thing. Uh, so you're 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 playing on a level playing field. We're talking about those programs mm-hmm. uh, are pretty close. Uh, let's hear Sark though. He was asked today about his recruiting philosophy. He can't talk about Brandon Baker because he's not a signed player yet. He's verbally committed. But I thought this was interesting for you fans out there, Sark, and how they their philosophy as a coaching staff and a program when it comes to evaluating recruits and then selling the program. I'd love to say like that we just sit around and click on our iPads and, and look for every four and five star and those are the guys we recruit. We, we really don't do that. You know, we, we write up our own evaluations on every player. 
Um, and, and if we think they have a fit for our system, not only physically, but a fit for our culture of who they are as people, then we recruit them. Some of them might be five-star, some of them might be three-star, some of them are in between. Uh, but in the end, you know, we feel like we're the best developmental staff in the country, that we are going to develop you in every aspect of life, on the field, off the field, in the classroom. Um, and I think that that's part of the draw of, of why some of the kids choose to come here is that they do want to be developed. They want to de be developed as young men. Um, they want to be developed as students. And they want to be developed physically and, and as football players. And so I think the majority of the guys that do come into our program recognize that's, that's what they're getting when they come here. And so you, know, you can look to an Anthony Hill or a Jonte Cook, or you can look to a Trevor Goosby, who's a young left tackle for us right now. I think they're all here um, because they know they're going to get developed in, in all three phases of their life. For a long time. Seems pretty logical, legitimate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's the, the appro appropriate uh, way to go about it at, at Texas. You know, like you have to be more selective at Texas. It's not so much like you're recruiting all these players as much as you're figuring out kind of like you're, you're shuffling through the best. And in, in so it almost becomes an NFL type situation, right? Where you're drafting uh, and trying to put together a roster that way. If you look at the way an NFL roster is put together, it is quarterback, left tackle, wide receiver, secondary edge rusher. Texas has killed it at all of those places in recruiting. Uh, you can figure out a lot of stuff out of that. Because even if Brandon Baker, like let's say Brandon Baker doesn't become like top-end Kelvin Banks left tackle. Well, he can play right guard. He can play left guard. Like You can do a lot of things with those five-star type... traits. Right. You can do a lot of things with those kind of guys, and not every one of them can hit. But if you can populate your roster with dudes with that kind of NFL upside, if you hit a 75% rate, you're playing in the college football playoff. Right. And then you combine a Colin Simmons, who seems like a can't-miss edge rusher, with an Ethan Burke, who is a three-star player out of Westlake who played lacrosse most of his life who all of a sudden as a redshirt freshman is balling out and playing great well now okay this is what he's talking about we liked Ethan Burke but you know we'll also take the five star because we that's you know that's that's good evaluation and I like the way Sark said that that we don't just you know look for the stars on Mike Craven's fab 55 list we're right. actually <laughs> watching film as a, as a staff coach to coach looking for the traits that we're looking for the previous staff did that too much too much yeah yeah thank you uh you said it and previous staffs, not just that one. Yeah, well, I only have an experience with the previous staff, so <laughs> I can only speak to that. Okay, uh, real quick, it is a big recruiting weekend, this Kansas game that we've talked about. If you missed our – you know, go back to our first quarter. We had it all with Kansas. We'll have more coming up in our second recording on Thursday that will drop on Friday. Really deep dive on the Kansas Jayhawks. But the game itself, it's going to be another recruiting weekend. And I like this. I want your thought on this, Mike, who covered recruiting for a long time. It's a co collection of uncommitted players, a bunch of guys who are already committed to Texas coming in, and then some guys are already committed else, elsewhere that are all coming in. So Ryan Wingo's coming in, the receiver from St. Louis, back again mm -hmm. for another visit. Uh, but they're also bringing Texas A&M wide receiver commit Cam Coleman, who's coming as well. Uh, there's an in interior lineman named DeAndre Carter out of Modern Day High School we just talked about. He's an Auburn verbal commitment right now. Uh, they're bringing a kid, uh, their own running back commitment from Bradenton, Florida, the IMG Academy, Jarrett Gibson, big-time player. Uh, they're bringing in DeAndre Robinson from Orlando, who's already a Texas commitment. Then a bunch of guys that are uncommitted, or uh, DeCorian De De Moore from Duncanville is an LSU soft commitment. I like this, bringing in guys that you've already got committed with guys who are uncommitted, and even some guys that are already verbally committed. That seems like a good way to, to mix it in when you can get them on your campus. It's a great way to do it, especially during the season because you're busy. And so those committed players become extensions of your staff who can kind of recruit those players. Hey, 
here's where the fun times are. Here's where the classes would be. Here's the locker room. Let me take you around the stadium. Uh, look how they treat us here, right? Like, and so uh, you kind of have ambassadors. Advocates. <laughs> You're right, advocates, uh, allies uh, for your cause there. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a smart way to do it. Well, that'll be this weekend, so keep an eye on that. Uh, two five-stars now of the 18 commitments for the class of 2024. Third quarter delivered by the Good Times and Incredible Scratch Food at uh, Hayes City Store. Uh, and Ice House, because I like to sit out in the Ice House. You can sit inside under the canopy of oak trees, picnic tables, big high tops at the bar areas. Uh, it's just a great place. Hay City is one of those spots, I tell you, if you ever get out there as a destination location or if you live close to Kyle or Buda or South Austin, uh, Wimberley, Dripping Springs, you've probably been and you love it. If you go once, you'll be back again and again for that scratch comfort food, the bacon jam burger, which my guy Mike uh, Craven loves so much. Uh, the menu is so good, uh, whether it's a wood-fired pizza or the house-ground burgers or the uh, tr- truck stop enchiladas, the chicken fried steak, the chicken fried chicken, and on and on and on. They also have 53 beers on tap. Uh, your your wife or girlfriend might like the uh, margarita flight they do. They do four different flavors of their frozen margaritas, so little 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 shot glass-looking things so you can try them all. And uh, you'll drive home after you do that, I promise you. Be safe. Uh, but it's 8989 FM150 in Driftwood, Hayes City Store. Find their complete mouthwatering menu online at HayesCityStoreTX.com. HayesCityStoreTX.com. They are tremendous. Also, our friend Travis and Tamara, who run and own that place, have a new place in downtown Buda called Taste on Main. If you're looking for a little upscale flair and food in south south of South Austin, right there in Main Street in Buda, Taste has got the seafood and the raw bar and steaks and just tremendous. Great for a birthday, anniversary, special occasion. Taste on Main and Hayes City Store and Ice House, great partners of ours. Thank you so much. All right, fourth and final quarter presented by Dr. Greg Eckert, who I told you is my dentist. He's also has got his research-based Brain Vault technology, which is not a mouthpiece. It's an orthotic. It's more than a mouthpiece. Allows young athletes to play hard but play safe. In our fourth quarter, Mike, we talked some big-picture college football. You were at the game at Baylor, but you also cover all of Texas for Dave Campbell's Texas football. What was the biggest storyline you saw coming out of college football this weekend on a national level or in Texas? Yeah, I think what's I think week four is when you start developing legitimate feelings for this team for these teams. Yes, you know it, it's kind of where it's either you excited st- or frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> you start to cycle out kind of what you thought all off season, and you have enough data to go. Okay, the, this is starting to the picture is starting to emerge. You start to to see the good teams, and in the state of Texas, that's you know Texas, the TCU's up there. Texas A and M's three and one. You know, Texas State. Uh, with their comeback wins, kind of been the story of the G5 level at, at the state. Um, and then you see the disappointments. I mean, Baylor is clear as day. I mean, that's not a good football team. They're going to struggle to get to six wins. They may struggle to get to four wins. Well, kind of the state of Texas uh, outside of the Longhorns. Yeah, Texas str- Tech, just not not that good of a football team. Their quarterback gets hurt again. Their offensive line, you just that's the place that's hard to turn it over really quickly. You know, even Texas went struggled to that five and seven first year, and I was I would think some of the the year two issues were because of an, a young offensive line. Texas going through that, and they can't keep a a quarterback healthy. And so, on a national level, you know, I think the Pac-12 just continues to be the story. Just yeah, the, 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 play the Colorado loss, not surprising. Now maybe the margin a little more than people thought, but Dan Lanning's team was ready to play, and that just exposed what we kind of thought about Colorado. They're going to be great. It's been a great story with Dion and primetime, but. Oregon's for real. USC's for real. My question in the Pac-12, Mike, is it reminds me of the 08 Big 12, where remember the year, you remember it very well. Texas had to play four top 11 teams in a a month. Mm -hmm. Like they played number one Oklahoma, came home and played number 11 Missouri, then played number seven Oak State, and then they lost the fourth of those four games in Lubbock against number 
six Texas Tech or whatever it was. And they got behind 19 to three. And I remember Texas players, they looked a little flat. They looked a little tired. Can anybody in the Big 12 actually run this gauntlet? Can anybody? How about this? USC, six of their last eight games are against ranked teams. Washington's last four games are against ranked teams right now in the AP Top 25. Who can navigate that and put themselves in the college football playoff? I don't think there's a debate that the Pac-12 is the best conference, but can somebody actually survive that? I don't think anybody will survive that undefeated, but I hope that they're given the benefit of the doubt like the SEC normally is where you get, you get that one loss. Like nobody can get through that gauntlet, so the one-loss Pac-12 champion is going to get in there. Uh, maybe even two teams. Like, you know, Georgia's one loss away from if it's not their past history not deserving to be in, in the playoff because their schedule is awful. So if they can't get through that, you know, I, I think the SEC is only, only going to have one team. You know, it's, it's whether the Big Ten and the ACC come through. But I think the Pac-12 could easily have two teams in the playoff at the end of the day. Well, right now, Florida State has made a statement with wins yeah. over LSU and Clemson. And the slide for Dabo Swinney's program continues. A home loss now on top of the Duke loss. And uh, they're scuffling a, a little bit. And Florida State, two big wins. I mean, they're as yeah. accomplished as any program in college football right now. Uh, and looks like they can be the absolute favorite in the ACC. I mean, Duke's in there, North Carolina with Mac Brown. But, man, they look like head and shoulders the best team. Yeah, Miami also a, yeah. a pretty good team out there that that beat A and M. Tyler Van Dyke's kind of kind of come back into his own a little bit. So yeah, I, I think that this is you know it just I think it's very ironic that all this is happening as we're collapsing this ecosystem that you know we always talk about how the SEC and the Big Ten dominate all the air they're the best teams and then the last year we have this the best teams are maybe in the ACC the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about this this not morning. Not in the Big Twelve, but tech, you know Texas. I know what you mean. Right. And there's nothing because they've already signed the agreements to move to the new conferences so they yeah but you gotta you gotta wonder if like somebody like apple or one of these streaming services like hey we'll come in we'll save the day it's like it's like the the wife or the girlfriend that you know you let her go you're okay we officially broken up and now she hits it big or something right (laughs) Right. like oh my gosh what did i do i mean that was dumb i think i don't think it would and i think that proves that the football doesn't matter too much like the the execs care about the helmets right in the tv ratings right like texas has been bad for 13 years but they're like the third most valuable franchise tv sets and the world value Um, and they could Notre Dame could be average for per- perpetuity, and they're going to still be valuable. So, you know, I, what, who I feel bad for is Washington State and Oregon State. I don't know if you watched any of that game. I did, um, but that was a great game. Cam Ward's a, a you know relatively local guy, a Texan, um, and watching him thrive has been fun too. Yeah, Washington State putting up huge numbers. Uh, er, you know, every team's good in that conference. Stanford stinks, but that's it. I think every team will give you a battle. That's going to be a challenge. Even Arizona. Yeah, even Cal's good. I thought Arizona State gave a pretty good battle to USC, even though Caleb Williams, they scored 50-some points. But the big game there is Colorado hosting USC this weekend, the matchup of Shadur Sanders and um, you know Caleb Williams. That'll be a lot of fun. Bo Nix and Oregon are playing great. It's just really good. Michael Penix might be your front runner for Heisman Trophy right now, what he's doing at Washington. So it's a lot of fun to watch. Also, uh, again, I don't know what was worse, the actual uh, happening of it and but or Marcus Freeman's answer to it, but I don't know how you play the two critical plays of a football game with 10 people on the field and then admit that you knew it and didn't do anything about it. Uh, that <laughs> And you know Notre Dame fans. If you think Texas fans are, are finicky, and, I mean, Notre Dame is, you know, the history, touchdown Jesus, That that's going to leave a mark for Marcus Freeman. That was a huge blunder. Yeah, I, I still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around his reasoning. Like you would rather you would rather it be, you know, goal to go with eleven players a half a yard closer than a yard or half a yard further away with ten players. Like that half a yard doesn't matter. You'd right. rather have 
the extra player out there that's going to weigh 275 pounds more than I still believe he didn't know. I think he didn't know. Right. And I think in the immediate aftermath, once he was informed, his gut reaction was to say, oh, we knew. That but, is the hardest part of coaching football, by the way, is like personnel groupings and all that kind of stuff. That go. I don't think the average fan understands how difficult it is. Well, that's why you have to all make, these analysts right. and people in your I headset. I bet it came through his headset, and he just, deer in headlights, just didn't have the I appropriate think you're right about response that. to that. Uh, that's exa- I think that's right. And, and in the immediate reaction afterwards, he said we knew, and he tried to give an answer. And, you, you know, he's a human being. Cut the guy some yeah. slack. But – to your point about taking a penalty, or the fact that Ryan Day screwed that up too. Ryan Day, after the previous down, where they threw to Marvin Harrison, it was incomplete, and they had 10 men on the field, Ohio State substituted. Yeah, They switched running backs. So the minute they substituted, they could have put in the 11th player without a penalty, and the official would have stood over the ball, let him mark the ball, get in position. They didn't even do that. They weren't. There was no one on the sidelines paying attention to that. Hey, coach, they just subbed. They just rotated running backs. I don't know if Ohio State did it discreetly or quickly or whatever. I know it was a because I was watching that game while doing an inside Texas uh, in-game cast that I do for the, that great website and their YouTube channel every game. So I was keeping my eye on it, and I was telling them on the broadcast, I was like, this is going to come to the final play. This game, because you could see the timeouts. Ohio State was moving. Timeouts, clock, where they're going to be. This is going to the last play of this game. And, of course, goes to it, and that happens. And um, I remember watching it because I was watching my iPad, and I was like, that alignment looked weird on their defensive line. Mm-hmm. It just looked like, well, why were they so offset? And, of course, they're going to run right over the yeah. top of, of no tackle. Then you get after the postgame, you realize they only had 10 guys. Uh, man, that is and a huge win for Ohio State. Crushing loss from Notre Dame, who still has to play USC in a couple of weeks at South Bend. And that's one for Marcus Freeman that's, you know, it'd be like, could, could be like Charlie Strong screwing up the coin toss. It could be like a number of coaching gaps we've seen across the country where it's just, yeah. that one hurts. I, I like Marcus Freeman a lot. I think he's going to be a really good coach there. He's recruiting well. That was that was big, though. Yeah, I mean, that had to feel good for Ryan Day because, one, you know, if you lose that game to Notre Dame, who are Ohio State fans going to want to replace you, right? Like the the alum that that, is, that just beat you, Marcus Freeman, Marcus went Freeman. to Ohio State. Uh, I love that he ran over Lou Holtz afterwards, yeah. after the game. Like, that was tremendous. Uh, I grew up like my two least favorite. I don't know what your least favorite sports franchises or teams are, but mine are Duke basketball and Notre Dame football. <laughs> so anything bad that happens to those two programs is all right with me. Well, I was born in Ohio and lived there eight years. So Michigan, anything no Michigan problem. is the one. But here's what I'm going to say right now. If my dad watches this, which he does every week, Ohio State will lose to Michigan and Penn State this year. I don't think they're that good. I'm not. I wouldn't be shocked because I do. Right. I do think Penn State is better than people think. I think Penn State's defense. This is the best James Franklin team. They've got to prove it. James Franklin screwed up some big games yeah, before. I I trust the talent on Penn State's team a lot with Texas. It's the same. It's kind of like, just, and I think Drew. You got to trust a, James Franklin. Drew Aller's a different level at quarterback than Sean Clifford was. I believe yeah. that too. I don't know, uh, and I wasn't that impressed with Ohio State. Uh, and Ryan Day can scream at eighty-six year old that was so old good. guys all he wants. So um, you were soft too, Ryan Day. You ran a, on a fourth and one. You ran a fly sweep. Uh, you're still a finesse team that's trying to figure out their offense. Um, and got lucky because Notre Dame only had ten guys on the field. But either way. And look, my Ohio State is bleeding all out of me. I, just, I think they're going to lose to Penn State and Michigan. I think the Big Ten is going to come down to those two teams, mm-hmm. at least as far as the uh, that that bracket. I need to see it from a James Franklin team before I believe 100%. Show me, but that's my prediction. At the end of the Eyes on Texas multicast, brought to you by, in our fourth quarter, by the Brain Vault Technology and Dr. Greg Eckert. Please get uh, some information on this. Go to the website, brainvault.com. Get, if you're a coach out there or coach young people in a collision sport, please look it up. It's Brain Vault Technology, patented technology based on proven science that helps protect young athletes from concussions. 
which is what you want, right? And you think, well, how can a mouthpiece or an orthotic do that? Uh, well, Brain Vault has used their technology for the past eight years with roughly 100 NFL players. No concussions reported. They've now taken their technology to you and the the general public. A lot of high schools here in Central Texas have now gotten fitted. Their entire team, Vandergrift, Lake Travis, Regents, Hyde Park, and more coming. Uh, You can get your individual athlete. Also, uh, cheerleading squads, lacrosse teams getting fitted for this technology because it works. It's what it's about. Uh, Listen, if you... uh, it's about your jaw. It's about your neck muscles. It's about being in the right place when you clinch at the moment of contact with Brain Vault. And you got to be per- perfectly fitted. It's the bones in your neck. If they're not optimally aligned, these are the muscles attached to those bones and the, the concussive forces develop from that. Uh, you really do need to learn more about Brain Vault, Brain Vault technology. Again, 100 plus players in the NFL, no concussions reported on top of the helmet and all the other safety measures are taking there. The mouthpiece and the, the orthotic uh, specific to you can really help. Play safe, play hard, but play safe. It's brainvault.com to set up a fitting for you, your young athlete, or your team of young athletes. That's brainvault.com to learn more. Join the movement. Play hard, but play safe. All right, Michael, that's a wrap on another Eyes on Texas multicast where you're going to two games this week. Two games. Uh, Thursday, Sam Houston plays their first ever FBS conference game and first ever home game as an FBS team. They played one home game so far, but it was at NRG Stadium. So first one on campus going to that Thursday night. Excited uh, to see a little bit of history. And then back uh, to Austin, going to go Texas-Kansas on Saturday. There you go. 2.30, Texas-Kansas. We'll have our second edition this week coming up. We'll record it on Thursday. It'll drop on Friday with a full preview, deep dive on Jalen Daniels in Kansas, Texas, and Steve Sarkeesian. Two best offenses, I think, for identity and for explosiveness in this conference right now. Uh, We will certainly talk about it. We are a product of the Republic of Football and Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network, also on the Horn FM in Austin podcast channel. Uh, excuse me, YouTube channel. We're powered by Grande Equipment. Thank you to our digital producer, Nolan Hogan. Great job, as always, my my friend and son. Our executive producer is Griffin <laughs> Hogan for their incredible work again this week. Special shout-out to uh, everyone that tunes in to now both multicasts. We appreciate it very much. Also, thanks to our founding partners, uh, thetexasmortgageguy.com, Carlos Carrion, Hayes City Store in Driftwood, and the Taste on Main in downtown Buda, One Source Gas of Central Texas, Dr. Greg Eckert, both for my beautiful smile and his dental practice and the Brain Vault technology, and, of course, Grande Equipment. Our presenting partner, uh, the locally owned independent but worldwide equipment company serving your heavy equipment needs since 2004, online at grandeequipment.com. It's the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. It's the Eyes on Texas multicast. Hook them.